Welcome to the Read This, Watch That podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Dale. Good morning, Dale. How are you? Well, considering that I watched the Logan's Run pilot um, last night, I'm actually doing remarkably well this morning. Do you have a hangover? Yes. Significant. Yeah, it, it helps if you if you have a glass of wine or two or a couple of beers. Um, yeah, we're talking about Logan's Run, the television pilot from 1977. Uh, this this um, aired on CBS Friday nights from nine to ten, and later was moved to Monday from eight to nine. It premiered on September 16th, 1977. And the last episode aired on February 6, 1978. 14 episodes aired before it was canceled due to low ratings, and three additional episodes were filmed but never aired. 14 episodes. And you got to figure back then around Christmas time, right? They, they kind of did they air original programming around I don't know. That's a fair question. Yeah, I can't remember. I know, I know. Now they do, but back then a lot of shows just kind of went right, did a Christmas episode and went right through. But man, this is a short run, they didn't even get through all the aired episodes, and I think I know why because it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you could, <can> but say. <laughs> <laughs> that said, I think there's some interesting things to talk about. It was based on a 1976 movie, which was based uh, on a on a novel. Yes. And the 1977, or I'm sorry, 1976 movie starred Michael York and Jenny Agater. I think yes. that's how you pronounce her name. Yes. And um, you sound like you're in a train. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's some background noise. It will go away fairly soon. Apologies to everybody. Is somebody mowing your lawn? Yes. You don't mow your own lawn. I don't. But you're self You're the only socialist I know who doesn't mow their own lawn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and I'm the elitist. Okay. <laughs> Dear God. All right. The show starred Gregor Harrison as Logan Five, probably better known as. Uh, uh, Trapper John MD was a show that ran for a few years with Parnell Roberts, and he was the young Vietnam veteran surgeon to Trapper John's Korean War veteran surgeon. Right. Heather Menzies starred as Jessica Six. She was a Canadian. Wow, is that going away soon? Because that's really fucking annoying. Yeah, it's going away soon. <laughs> uh, she was a Canadian. I promise. She was a Canadian model slash actress who appeared. Well, I think her one of her people might know her if you if you watched it. I I've actually never watched it. She was one of the kids in The Sound of Music. Yes, uh, that's right. <clears throat> and Randy Powell was Francis Seven. Uh, another very familiar face. He was on like a soap opera and ended up on Dallas and a bunch of other things. Still still with us. And then Donald Moffat as Rem. Uh, really, m most people would know his face, but maybe not his name. He was an actor from Devon, England, who ended up in the United States. He, uh, like I said, was born in Devon, England, 
died in Sleepy Hollow, New York, not too far from you. Yeah, just down the street. And was in like he was LBJ and the right stuff, but he was also in the thing, the John Carpenter movie. Yep. He and he played security. He was the security chief in the thing. Yep. And he played Ford Frick in in um sixty one. Yep. And he also played the president in Clear and Present Danger. And I also think was he one of the firm partners in the movie The Firm? He may have been. Yeah. Good actor. Yeah. He, yeah he, people would recognize him, I think. He's, he's been around for a long time. He was in a ton of stuff. Um, and uh, solid, you know, solid character actor, particularly, I think, in his later years. This is probably his peak, right? <laughs> it, w- it was all downhill from... His 14-episode run on, on Logan's Run. Yeah, yeah. That was just, you know, doing films with Harrison Ford and, you know, who wants to do that? Uh, so we are in 2319. The episode, the pilot episode um, tells us we're in the city of Domes, a, a city uh, comprised of... Comprised of a number of domes where people live. However, the hitch is they are murdered. Everyone dies at age 30 through a, a ritual called carousel where they're like laser beamed to death, I guess. Sort of. It's never really <clears throat> how they're put to death. And um, with the kind of with the, I don't know, semi-religious kind of faith that you're just, youth is valued. And once you're two and 30, you go to carousel and are executed, but you will return. You will be reborn to live another great 30 years because in this, in this society, as it it is ultimately explained to us, um, pretty much all your needs are met. Yes, it's, everything. It's, is, yeah, yeah. You have you want for nothing. It looks like a very hedonistic, a very hedonistic lifestyle. You want for nothing. It, th- this idea of the hedonistic lifestyle is really better explored in the movie. Yes, where. All right, let's try this again. One more time. Uh, okay, so I'm trying to set up the, the society here real, real quickly. We have a city under a series of domes because of a nuclear, nuclear war 200 years ago. The air is supposedly toxic. The people um, go to carousel when they're 30 to be terminated, but reborn. Yes. Um, they have all their wants and needs met. However, there are occasionally <laughs> a contrarian people who want to run for a mythical sanctuary, which would be outside the city because they believe um, the air is, is fine. It's all kind of a ruse. You're not reborn after carousel. And there's an underground movement to help people help people escape. The people, bunch you, what do you, who, who's in charge of catching 
the runners who try to live past age 30. The Sandmen. The Sandmen. Like, s- secret police, but not so secret because they wear uniforms. Yes. Yeah. yeah they're not secret. They're, they're out in the open. I mean, it, the, the, um, the premise is pretty simple in that regard in terms of, you know, the basic kind of plot line is that you've got a, you know, this wonderful, you know, society. The only problem is you pay for it by dying at 30. And um, the people who enforce the rules are the Sandmen. They're going to come and kill you if you try to not get killed when you're 30. (laughs) Easiest way to put it. Pretty simple. And we're introduced very, this all happens with, in less than eight minutes, we are introduced to Logan, his partner, Francis. They are at Carousel, where this ritual is going on. Meanwhile, uh, the underground is helping someone escape. They go down kind of into these these tunnels towards uh, the old city. The Sandmen are alerted that there's a runner. Logan and his partner give chase. They Logan finds the runner with a member with Jessica uh, Jessica Six, a member of the underground, and and she tells him that they've been watching him for a while because they know he's different than the other Sandmen. Which I guess is kind of shown when they're at Carousel and he starts to question some of the premises of the society. Yes. It makes him such a revolutionary thinker. Um, his partner shows up, kills the runner. Uh, Logan knocks his partner out and he and Jessica go through the old city, up through a hatch and emerge into the outside world where they are not killed by the toxic air because the air is not toxic that's pretty much the setup right yeah yeah um now what and then francis needs to go and kill him francis is is told by the city elders who don't exist in the movie i don't think no they do not in the movie good good point in the movie it's a computer that runs everything and tells people gives orders yeah and in the movie as well of course he is he is he is he reaches 30 early. The computer changes his crystal in his hand um, and tells him to go find sanctuary and destroy it. And in the television show, he's just more open to the idea to begin with. Tell us um, about the, um, tell us about the, this, cause this, this leads to, I think at least a topic for conversation. Tell us about the, the elders. Mm, must I? <laughs> so, um, I you must, guess. You, you must, or I guess. You're fired. Yeah, okay. Um, trying to figure out which is, which is going to be more painful. Um, so, it's Trust not... Me, I gave you the, <laughs> the lesser of the painful things to discuss. The elders are... I think the elder, elders are... The concept is interesting. Do you? Okay. So yeah. the elder, then I'll, then I will describe it as, as favorably as I can. Um, so no. as you know, the city from the perspective of the people who live there, and this is all kind of gleaned from this very brief interlude with Francis seven, when he get, when he is told to report to some place and ends up meeting the elders. So, um, you know, according to the perspective of the people who are just living in the city, it's just kind of like, oh, well, everything's taken care of. The city takes care of us. 
the computers take care of us, right? All this stuff happens and we get the benefit from it. And that's just the way that it is. But as it turns out, um, it's not just computers that the really evil force here is a group of old men who I guess make policy decisions that are carried out by the computers. I'm not really quite clear on that, but there are people who grew up in the city and who at some point presumably get, you know, shunted into this different pathway to be the hidden and unknown um, policymakers for the city and uh, make, I guess, all of the big decisions, although I'm not sure what those big decisions would be. They stopped Francis from uh, immediately following Logan and Jessica to the outside. They haul him into the, I think it was called the, the white sector or the white zone, which is forbidden to go into because it's a white, bunch of... The white zone sector one, I uh, think it was. Yes. Which uh, was which very is... interesting because it was, ac- yeah, white... They go to white quadrant one, which is salmon colored, actually. <laughs> I didn't even. Uh, I must have been asleep during that. Uh, the uh, And he is, they explain to him, it's, it's, and this is why I think it's interesting. Okay. They explained to Francis Seven that, in so many words, no one's reborn. Don't be a fool. We don't. Life after death, we don't, they've been grappling with that. Philosophers have grappled with that question for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. We don't have the answer. And if, it's not a computer that's really running this place. <laughs> Somebody with experience has to be running the place. Can't rely upon, you know, people who are, you know, heading downhill by the time they're 30. For any type of expertise, we give these people everything they want, and occasionally we select someone who we think is appropriate to fill the spot on this council when uh, when one of us dies of old age. Right. So Francis is. And Francis says, "You know, Logan's my friend, but he betrayed the city. I will, you know, I will get him. I will." Apparently, it's very important that Jessica and. Logan be brought back, tried at Carousel, and then, and then murdered at Carousel, like they right. should be. Right. This is why I think it's this is an interesting point. Um, Francis is told that the whole kind of I, I don't know what you want to call it the religious slash. Um, the social so, fabric. The whole social fabric about Carousel is bullshit. He's told that. Then he also learns that there's an elite group of people who don't have to die at 30. Right. Then he also learns that he can go outside and chase Logan because the air is not toxic. Right. Well, like the three kind of underlying pillars of the yep. society mm-hmm. is told to Francis. Mm-hmm. And He's he. I, why isn't he the one who becomes? <laughs> he's given all, all. It's like in the space of um, probably because all this happens. Like Jessica and Logan are. I, I timed it. Well, I, I just hit pause to see where we were. They're outside in less than eight minutes. Yeah, and 
Francis has told all this, and he's just all the pillars of his beliefs have been shattered in approximately 40 seconds. Yes. And he's still going along with the program. Now it's because, you know, he's been promised a place on the on the council, which means it can grow old. And I just uh, well, we can we can go through a little bit more and then go back to my why this show is very frustrating. Well, that's a very clear example of why you kind of just have to. This is one of those suspend disbelief moments. Uh, You know, the movie, you know, you could ask a kind of somewhat of a similar question of Francis Seven in the movie, except for the fact that in the, the movie, Francis really believes he, he really likes his life. Yes. And yes. he's, and he really likes Logan. And he's like, you're my friend. We've been having this great time and, 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 you know, having this great stuff and some cheap floozy shows up and is got your head out of whack. Yeah. Yono. Yeah, you know, I mean, Yoko, Yoko, Yoko shows yeah. up and, and yeah. ruins the and breaks and up the band. It's a much more believable kind of dynamic, right? Because at at a certain point, Francis isn't really there to you know kill the runners, right, and destroy sanctuary. I mean, that's really Logan's you know <clears throat> mandate. Um, he's there because he's pissed off that his friend has abandoned him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's more it's more um, like a personal betrayal. Yeah, and in this, it's <clears throat> Francis Evan is an automaton. There's um, no families per se in this in this society. It, they're raised in um, what nurseries? Yes, by you know just random nurses, I guess. Yes, um, which. Which makes sense, as uh, your 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 when your death date is thirty years old, it kind of makes right. sense. Yep. So they have no real understanding of of family. So I suppose friendship would take. Yes, I I agree. Except that also Logan and and Jessica have a conversation outside of the city, talking about what their mother or father would you know would think about them, which is completely ludicrous if they don't have any concept of you know, any sort of familial connectivity. Here's something I like about this, this show as a kid. Now I had watched this show when it aired my, did you? I, I watched one or two episodes. I don't think that I saw the pilot, but I do think I saw a few episodes as a kid when it was first out. My brother is a few years older than me and he was kind of really good at pointing out things like because he was just that much older he was yeah. good at pointing out things like um oh they're showing reruns of Colchak the night stalker you might want to watch that that's kind of fun yeah. or yeah. oh logan's run that's based on a movie my friends went to see where you are put to death by the time you're 30 and the, they're on the run and so was, so that's probably how i was directed to it not to mention if it was on friday night's um, I was, I was a, what, uh, nine years old. I wasn't like I was out Friday night. So right. I probably got a chance to see it. So one of the things I remember, and I still like, even though it's to, to our modern eyes, it looks completely fake. They leave the city, Jessica and Logan leave the city and they're in the California desert, basically. Yes. Um, and you don't know how long they're walking, but presumably it's, it's no more than a day. 
they finally find some water. It rains. There's a thunderstorm. They're kind of really amazed by the rain and the and the water. And they finally hit some green trees and grass and things like that. And in in the distance, as they run, the shelter they run towards is the capital of the United States. The Capitol building, all overgrown, right, with with um, greenery and things like that. Today, obviously, in with my adult eyes, it's obviously something along the lines of a, like a matte painting or something. Yes. But when I was a kid and we didn't really have quite the, you know, we were still used to those cheap studio TV shows and those obviously fake sets. They were still part of our reality. To me, it looked completely cool. It was like, oh, my God, it's the Capitol. It's all overgrown. And uh, and even though today it, it looks completely fake, um, I still love it. It's a it's a great concept that they stumble upon that the capital is within probably a day's a day's walk of where they were living. Yes. So um, what, do you, what do you think yes. the city of Dones was Richmond? <laughs> no, I no no. I think the Fairfax. City, yeah, I think they were somewhere in Fairfax County. <laughs> That or, or they didn't cross the Potomac, so maybe it's in Montgomery County or <laughs> Prince George's County yeah. in Maryland. In the movie. Or maybe just uh, Northeast D.C. In the movie, they find Walter Houston in the well of the Senate chamber. And that's that has a really good realistic look to it. Here, they're just in, I don't know. Some rooms. Some uh, you know, the rooms uh, where there's some old papers and things like that they don't actually they burn money for fuel that that was cute that was cute that was funny that that was funny i thought um first if if you push yourself in 1977 inflation yeah Yeah. and things like that that's that although the money looked for being for for being over 200 years old the money looked pretty crisp did um they're tracked down now here's a question for you Francis is told to bring back Logan and Jessica. He's also given two, two, two partners yes. to do it. They are walking. They don't bring water and food uh, because they don't know what they're walking into. Oh, my goodness. Um, so are we really going to go and find these kinds of plot holes? In this? <laughs> I mean, we could we could spend, I think, all day talking about these sorts of questions. Well, is, is this is just this another more evidence that we really don't want a society run by thirty year olds? I think do stuff like this? that's the better question. I think the answer is yes. No food, no water. They have no idea what they're walking into. They don't bring like uh, no sunscreen, no yeah. sunscreen, no hats, yeah. just in yeah. case. Yeah, no umbrellas. Yeah, nothing. They, yeah, and they track uh, Logan and, and Jessica down. Logan and Jessica find um, what kind of car was that? Did you recognize that? It, it no, it was not. I think it was completely manufactured for the show. <laughs> um, a space age, a space age road vehicle. Solar powered. Yeah, yes. They escape in it. Yes. Um, next, we have the two. We have the two episodes what yes. who are the fr- so they they run into societies and the first society they run into um they're being chased by a gang on horseback 
Yes, they look like they're straight out of the 1930s uh, Flash, Flash Gordon serial in terms of costume. Or Planet of the Apes, except they're not gorillas. Yeah, yeah maybe. I think, to me, it was much more Flash Gordon. Because they have that weird, they're wearing these, <laughs> they're, they're wearing these weird um, tunics that yes. look like they wouldn't stop anything like uh, uh, uh wouldn't stop a dull a dull yeah. needle from going through. yeah but they're wearing it and you know in the hot in the sun and everything like yes. that but looks goofy big helmets with visors and they stumble upon the first group they stumble upon as they run from the horsemen yeah or the pacifists it's the pacifists <laughs> <laughs> Who are living in what? What are they living in, Dale? Well, this is great, too, because I can't remember why they decide to leave the capital, but they decide to leave the capital and and go find this nuclear fallout shelter. I guess because they know there was the war, so they say, oh, well, there's a fallout shelter. Maybe people live there. Or and for food and water, maybe, as well. No, I don't think they're thinking about that. (laughs) Um, so they because they're, they're 28 years old 29 yeah. years old so this was this was actually kind of neat so you know odd that the only building left is the capital but we'll put that aside but they go to find the nuclear um shelter yeah and they're dri- it's just nature right it's trees grass right they're driving down a road don't know why there's a road still it's the hollywood hills man and uh um, nothing I think, there, right? No, I no, think they passed. I think they passed the four seven seventh of mash. They probably I, did. I think I saw point. it in the yes. background. Yes, as well as Little House on the Prairie and um, all those. You know, the whole gang at uh, what was it, Walnut Grove, Walnut Creek, whatever it was called. Uh, I guess. Um, yeah, and so they they drive and they stop because, of course, even though all of the buildings are gone, all of the massive construction, all the concrete that has been poured to lay out all this stuff, and all that's gone, but there is still a signpost up <laughs> with directions to the nuclear nuclear fallout shelter. <laughs> we 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 knew how to build them back then. I guess we did. What, so, good, yeah. what good is the fall of shelter if you don't know how to get there? It's true. It's, it's made cool. out of the same material that the black box and the airplanes is made out of. <laughs> yes, evidently. Um, so, yeah, so they, so they get chased by the horsemen. They go to the fall of shelter. They meet the pacifists who are pacifists. And it turns out the horsemen showed up and made all sorts of trouble. But because they're pacifists, they decided just to hide out in the shelter. Um, and... Uh, even though some other people have been kidnapped, kidnapped. yeah, 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 by the by the evil horsemen from the 1930s, who aren't even. And, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They're not even like a society. They're just a gang. There's only. Doesn't the guy say there's only 12 or 14 of them? Yeah, and what's really cool. I mean, this is like this is like a funk band from the from the 60s and 70s because they've got the same uniform. You know, I was waiting. <laughs> for them to break out and to dance at some point because they did just fit. Um, so, yeah, so, the, you know, some of their people have been kidnapped, but they haven't done anything because they're pacifists. They've all vowed not to spill any blood. Um, but then a little girl who they first meet in, on entering into the shelter, she sneaks outside because she wants to see what outside is all uh, like. And of course, um, she gets kidnapped and our heroine, Jessica Six, 
who feels a little bit responsible for the girl going outside because she was talking about what was outside with the girl, uh, goes outside and she gets kidnapped. And so, of course, Logan has to go and, and, um, and save them, which he, which he does. Um, he tries to rouse up the, like, shake off their yeah. pacifism. Yeah, and they're just like, meh, we're pacifists. That that's dangerous. We're not going to do that. The uh, I'm going to stop you right there, real quick. The, sure. the I, I don't know if they have a leader, but the kind of the the wise old man is an actress named E.J. Andre. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this, and I don't particularly recognize this guy. Right? Yeah. Appar- apparently, did a ton of TV. You know, one episode here, two episodes yeah. there, type of thing. But I'm looking at him like, God, he looks like he 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 should be in the Ten Commandments. And I look him up. He was what in the was tank. he in? He was in the tank. <laughs> he was also in, he was also in Papillon. Oh, really? Uh, so yeah. a legit actor with okay. yeah. with some of the most ludicrous lines. But Jessica oh, yeah. Jessica yeah. is f- touching his face because he's old. Yes, she had never seen anyone old, but he really is. He's almost the only old person there. Yeah, yeah. And he he says something before you go on. He says something really confusing to me. Um, well, one thing they lived underground until the air cleared eight years ago. This is the younger guy. This is kind of the younger man um, who's uh, who's really the only the second second one of this group that has any any lines. Yeah, he says we lived outside uh, about eight years ago. Right after the you know the air cleared eight years ago, and we moved, we lived outside. Then the riders came and they lived among us, but they were cruel and nasty and they, you know, abused our women, took our men and we moved, you know, into the shelter. The old man says he came to the his father and the group that, you know, the uh, group of nomads or whatever came to this valley when he was a little kid. Like it had been settled 65 70 years ago it did the time frames didn't add up it was Mm. bizarre because Mm. on the one hand we're told that the air was toxic until it cleared finally about about uh, you know like 190 years after the nuclear war on the other hand this guy's saying people are wandering around 60 70 years ago so i don't know it makes me think makes me think the script writers didn't didn't really look hard at this really yeah, I'm yeah. shocked. So I'm amazed. There's the a slip like that would happen <laughs> in such a fine piece of writing, filmmaking. Okay, well here's another one. <laughs> here's another one that is is one of the most cringeworthy. If you actually watch this thing right and pay attention, one of the most cringeworthy lines. So uh, they enter the fallout shelter and they see a little girl. She lures them into a big open, a big like space where the other people are. Yes, and and the pacifists subdue Jessica and Logan right. to find out what they're all about, if they're dangerous, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And they're friendly and they're nice and they they're eating dinner in this big room. The fall shelter is really really nice. Um, it is, yeah, it's nice. I I'm wondering if that's the one for the the top echelon of government. That's probably. my guess. Yeah, probably. Um, and the mo- a mother comes to take that same little girl who lured them into in deep into the 
the fallout shelter to be captured, takes the little girl to bed. Jessica doesn't under you know is fascinated by the mother daughter yep. relationship. She follows them. She enters the bedroom. Jessica Seven kneels down as the girl lies in bed, and the girl says, "You're that lady from outside, aren't you?" It's like you fucking lured me in. You had dinner with me. Yeah. And you're asking me if I'm the lady from outside? You've lived here for eight, nine, ten years. Have you ever seen me before? It's 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 running like that to me is like inexcusable. Regardless, yeah. regardless of the quality of the work, you yeah. should have some self respect as a writer. Yeah. It, it, the, it's it, the, it's the attention you brought to watching this is really remarkable. I'm beginning it, to think that you might be diseased in is, some way. Is disturbing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Logan wins without killing anybody. He sets the he sets his phaser on stun. He sets his phaser on stun, and then he blows up their weapons. And again, they were all kind of at one point they were all lined up outside. I was really hoping for some funky music to start and to start dancing, but they didn't. Um, instead, all of the villagers, uh, all of the pacifists, show up. Um, still don't shed any blood, but seem to admit somehow that they've mended their way I, I whatever <laughs> they came out decided to help um which they did uh we don't really know what happened to the horsemen of the apocalypse but um it's kind of not they probably really moved, answered but they probably moved on to terrorize another group yeah right yeah or they started to terrorize the pacifists some more right just, so instead it's of, just a just a small letdown right instead so of killing just, them Instead of killing them to help the outside world, they just moved on to terrorize another group. Okay, so now I've got a I've got a question. Okay, uh, sure. You're you're looking at all just these one? inconsistencies and all this stuff, but I actually have a I think which is a it, it's a more fundamental question than timelines or not remembering who this person was. I think I know what it is, but go ahead. So Logan and Jessica are out searching for sanctuary. Right? Yes. A place where they can go, they can be safe, they can be free. Didn't they find it with these I, people? I was thinking the same thing. Not only did they find it, they could help build it. Yeah. If they're, if, now that the people are living yeah. outside. And they offered, they said, hey, stay with us. This is great. No, we, we have you. to. You find, love us. We, we got plenty of food. Us. We got all this stuff. <laughs> You're no. fantastic. No, yeah. we gotta we, go find sanctuary. We have to go find this mythical place. <laughs> exactly. Uh, nah, you guys are great and everything. And it's, it's Love like you. Fertile, fertile here. There's food. <laughs> there's water. Uh, no, we gotta go find the good spot. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. ludicrous. And and right after they leave, it shows the kids playing some stupid game where they just throw a big ball at one another. Yeah. Uh, and then the three salmon show up. Um, they talk to the little girl, and she recognizes the uniform. Right. You, Logan's friend. He says, yeah, right. have you seen him? Yeah, they just headed towards the mountains. So That's right. We're off. And then we get to... Then we... Then they find the, the second the, sanctuary. The second sanctuary <laughs> where they don't want to stay for some reason, <laughs> even though all their needs will be met. Yeah, it's a city of robots. It is, or as Jessica Seven um, or Six um, 
correctly points out, it's a city filled of robots. Robots? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's from Canada. Maybe it should be uh, robots. <laughs> Uh, the chief robot is uh, a guy named Keen Curtis. That's the bald guy. Yeah. He, well, I don't know if he shows up, he showed up a lot from time to time, but I know him best. He bought the restaurant um, upstairs from Cheers and was, was like Sam's nemesis for a number of oh, years. Yeah. Yeah. Plays a really good anal retentive elitist. Yeah. Didn't As you hear. probably he can just, imagine. He, he played a, he played a robot here. And you could tell you're in the future too, because he and his his uh, his companion they're all dressed in white, with the flowing really robes. funky belts. Yeah, yep, all flowing. Yeah, but they do meet they do meet Rem. And what is is Rem? Rem's not a robot. He's more like a half and half. Yeah. So there's this distinction between robots. Um, <laughs> and stop saying that. I believe and, it's it's Ruboots. Ruboots. <laughs> And and Rem, who who describes himself as an android, and so we've got this kind of uh, uh, you know um, really it's you know Star Wars did this and which was unfortunate, um, and they did the same thing, which is oh yes, we're just going to have somebody who's not a you know human. It's going to be an android, but they're going to be like a person. They're going to, you know, have a sense of humor. They're going to, you know, be offended. Right. They're going to write all that. You're going to have human reactions and emotions to things. But then every once in a while, you know, they'll ask a stupid question about being human, um, which is what, uh, which is the job that Moffat gets. But yeah, he's, uh, so uh, they get, essentially they get captured by the reboots. Because they want to keep them there to, Please deserve them. them. Yeah. And, and we didn't have this. Damn one. it. We did. I have to get out of here. <laughs> no, I must put food in your mouth. Um, uh, they, we did have this one great book because because I did, um, you know, you didn't we didn't really go into kind of first reaction, kind of, you know, oh, second yeah, yeah, reaction yeah. kind of stuff. But I watched this. I I convinced my daughters to watch this with me. What? That's um, illegal. Well, we'll get into the. Well, no, they're <laughs> they're, old, they're they're not. Yeah, they're above. They're over eighteen. Yes. Yeah. But uh, but uh, so the thing that the one thing that I I kind of um, we were laughing through the whole thing. We were telling jokes through the whole thing. Of course, but one of the things that really cracked us up, all of us, kind of at the same moment, is is when because the 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 uh, robots say we got to take you to the to the masters, right? The masters. You're going to yeah. meet the masters. They're going to. Yeah, the masters are going to be waiting for you. Yes, we'll we'll take you to them. So they take to the masters who are skeletons, right? Yeah. And the, immediately, my daughters and I all went back to the movie Madagascar when the lemurs say, "Oh, the people, we got lots of people. We'll go show them to you." And they're all the skeletons from a, from I, a I don't plane that it. Uh, I don't remember that. But okay, that's funny. So <laughs> Mad- a- Madagascar ripped off Logan Brown. <laughs> exactly. That's what yes. you're saying. I am. Yes. In fact, one bit of good writing there. That, um, but it it's interesting because with so with the here I do want to get a little bit serious, and we don't really have I do really need to talk about kind of the rest of it with Francis showing up. No, they escape. Okay, they escape, and the Francis and his colleagues, and they're on the road. Get 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 captured by the by the robots to yeah. So the the difference between their first encounter with the pacifists and the horsemen of the apocalypse and the, um, 
is my, one of my daughters said, if you're watching this, it was very quick. You kind of figure out there, you know, what's going on here. And <laughs> one of my daughters said, oh, I wonder if this is going to be one of those, we're here to serve you. And we're going to find out, right? Really, there's a cookbook on how to right. serve humans, right? We're, right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but uh, the, it, it, at least this, the first episode was this kind of really ham-fisted, you know, why you shouldn't be a pacifist message. The second one, at least, got into what I think science fiction really should do is to create scenarios where you can talk about things that we don't deal with in the, you know, practically in the real world, but really are interesting philosophical questions to ask yourself. And, you know, they didn't really kind of do any of that, but it was this interesting context, right? So, you know, my big question, of course, yours too, I'm sure, was wouldn't you just stay there? I probably um, would have stayed with the first people. Yeah, stay with the first people, stay, and kind of what I told my daughters was I'd stay there for a week. Maybe, right? You get to, at, they bring you food, you get a nice oh, bath, the, um, they bring at, bath oils for you. Right, at the resort. Season. Yeah, at the, the robot it's like resort. a resort. So you kind of go to the robot, re robot resort and then, you know, go on your way. Um, you but, don't have a good feeling of distance in the show. If that's not that far away, you can live with the people. Exactly. And once every three months, go do a week with the, the reboots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good times. Um, but you, you, you know, they had this kind of opportunity to, you know, what's the difference between, you know, this being that kind of seems kind of like a person, but isn't right. And they, and as a person does living in a place like this work for me, right? Because on the one hand, you could look at it and you could say, well, this is just like being in the dome city. They don't have it's better than being in the Dome City because they're going to live the length of their natural lives right. and everything is taken care of them. So, okay, you got the best of both worlds, right? Um, yeah. And, part and of they don't kind of go into this notion of, I don't care that you're taking care of me. I am curious and I, I want to explore and I want to do these other things. There's never any sort of you know, it's something that Star Trek would have done, right? Exactly. If, if this were a Star Trek episode, it would be Jim Kirk saying, you can't just hold us here, right? And giving this impassioned speech about, you know, humanity's need to understand and explore and, you know, make mistakes and, you know, be human. And when you're just typically taking care of us, we can't do any of that. And so we're not being human. Um, and they didn't kind of get into that at all. Well, part right. of the part of the problem, and that's that's a very good point. That's a, that's an insightful point because this was an hour and thirteen minutes, and what it feels like to me is the first two episodes smashed together mm -hmm. because there was uh, one or two very natural stopping points. Yeah, uh, before they get to the robot city, well, I can I can tell you for me there were about fifteen hundred. Perfect stopping points. Yeah, every minute. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> uh, and the missed opportunity here is the whole, and I, I doubt this show, much like the movie, ever figured out, figured out what it really wanted to talk about was, is this a show that was trying to explore, I don't have to be what I was raised as. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to be Jessica just, you know, floundering around in my short skirt. I don't have to be Logan a Sandman. I can go out into the outside world and, and be what and who I want to be, um, which would fit in nicely with your your robot storyline. Mm-hmm. As in, I'm not programmed. They tried to program me as a Sandman. You're programmed. I'm not programmed. I just have these, you know, these these human uh, things that I do things. Sometimes they're rational. Sometimes they're not. I could stay here. It's nice and safe, but I have this urge to go out and explore because I'm human and not programmed. Or is it, yeah? You know, or is it the system is rigged? storyline right. that it's, it's all bullshit it was the everything the city of domes is built on is a lie um is it that type of cynical dystopian thing and i don't i doubt without watching all 14 or 17 episodes i doubt they ever figure that out i don't think the movie really really figured that out the thing that i find very so um the opening of the city in miniature I like Um, I thought that was all just film from the film it is but I still like it I think excellent miniature work if you had to do miniature work I thought it was excellent miniature work it looks like a wonderful beautiful place here's this this show is frustrating it's bad and didn't need to be bad and Mm -hmm. here's my thoughts and maybe you chime in whenever you want First of all, the entire first episode could have been introducing us to a bit more about the society, what Logan does on a day-to-day basis, how he starts to become um, skeptical Mm -hmm. over maybe 45, 50 minutes, how that culminates in his... um, in his you know revolt and run and then you end the episode with them merging into the outside world mm-hmm. you know i yeah. want to know more about the, you know the underground they could have explored that some more yeah how it's dangerous to be part of the underground you know and maybe the underground controls a part of the you know quote old city and there's summer they could have gone all into that instead we get like here's this thing and then in less than eight minutes, they're above ground and running. And it's just the we we talked about doing the Buck Rogers from the same time period pilot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was a movie. Um, they spent that movie setting up the series. I mean, they did. Not, yeah, I'm not yeah. suggesting it's a great work of art. I'm just saying they said, "Hey, we got a pilot. Let's lay the groundwork for the yeah. series." And no groundwork was laid. Maybe no. go into some Jessica's backstory. Maybe they cross paths a few times, and it's you're not. It's, it's not until forty minutes later. Then you get the reveal. Maybe in the second episode of the elders, and it's all bullshit, right? And for and and or you give some of Francis's experiences to Logan to back up his skepticism. Right. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the thing is that, I mean, things, right? Yeah, because I mean, it's I mean, Logan's character is little better than you know a, a typical confused sixteen-year-old, right? Well, I think and, he shoots his he he does he knock his friend on the head because Jessica's cute? Yes, <laughs> I think pretty much. <laughs> I think so too. I was like, I might be able to get laid here. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, it's just. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, and, and I think that that's the, I think with a lot of these shows, I mean, one, the, the thing that I think, you know, um, the reason Star Trek has endured is because the writers weren't afraid to really try to do really good science fiction, right? In the, in the um, mode of like, you know, the Ray Bradbury kind of approach, right? Of right. the, let's dig into things, right? Let's, let's, let's use this as a vehicle to talk about humanity. And instead they just kind of said, oh, well, we'll have adventures. It's an, yeah, it's episodic. It's yeah. going to be just going from place but to place. But just it's, adventures and, and nothing it. more to it, right? Whereas with a Star Trek, you get adventures, but you also dig into, right, these other, these other things. All of the adventures are kind of based around, right, change perspective, you know, um, uh, you know, what it is to be a person, right? All those sorts of things. And in this, it's, there's none of that, right? All of that is kind of, you know, we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to think about those things. And you could have also had, um, you could have had a story arc as well. And maybe this is a little bit more modern because I don't think that television just did this for a bit. But one of the other things you could have done too is that you could have made Francis Seven a real character. And you could, you know, you, you didn't have to, in you know, this instance, right, make him the friend of Logan. You didn't have to stick slavishly to the movie, right? He could have been just somebody that the elders sent to get Logan. And you could have had as a part of that character's development, right? This kind of, yeah, I am committed to the city, but why am I doing this? Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things they could have done in the pilot if they had spent 45 or 50 minutes back then um, mm-hmm. in the City of Domes. Yeah, but instead, I can't believe we're talking about spending more time in the City of Domes. Well, I th- but there's stuff to do there because it is True. not so much a science fiction show as a dystopian future, and that's always... Mm-hmm. A dystopian future, it, it's it's utopian except for one slight error. It sucks, right? Uh, yeah, when you hit thirty, you're you're murdered. You're yeah. st- state-sanctioned murder. Yeah. But up until that point, you know, it probably fits the bill for for um, thirty-year-olds. Yep. Uh, so I just think the way. I can forgive the shoddy production values because they were sure. working with yeah, what they yeah. can work with. Uh, yep. Uh, all those shows back then. I, I, there was the, the dialogue in parts is atrocious and contradictory. That's not necessary. If, even if you are a workman like writer, you should take a little pride in your work and maybe do, do the best yeah. you can with what you have in a case like this. Dialogue yep. and character development would go a long way to making you rewatch this and say, you know what? They kind of had something here. Yep. Um, but the, the, the problem, too, is like the air is not toxic. They are within walking distance of what looks like a fertile place with water yep. and food. Why are they still doing this whole city of domes we'll keep you here and um kill you when you're 30 yeah what's the that's point a, that's what's another the... thing too right is that why why does why do the elders care that people leave if it's the if the air is toxic outside why do they why do they want to is it a little weird that the air is toxic you can't leave 
there's toxic outside. It'll kill you. Well, bring back these people who ran so we can kill them in front of other people. Right. It's punishment. It's the whole the whole makes concept. no sense. Yeah. It makes it makes no sense. It could. It's a it's a great premise. It's a the premise scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. When I first saw the uh, I I don't know if I show the show for but this kind of they kill you when you're 30 and everyone's like not only okay with it it's some kind of crazy ritualistic thing that people cheer and you go willingly and then they're in those those uniforms and masks when they're killed yeah and all as a kid that that i found that i found that extraordinarily creepy yeah it kind of kind of terrifying yeah um yeah i just think there's there's oh god there's there's stuff here to work with and there is even with premise it's a great premise it's a and and other people have done great things with similar sorts of um concepts uh yeah but did they do it on tv in the mid 70s because i was i was like what space 1999 was that good i i've read terrible things about that i love space 1999 but more importantly the theme music for the first season of Space 1999 <laughs> is perhaps the best thing that humanity has ever come up with. As a matter of fact, the whole opening sequence of, just, of that, bl- just the song and the and the and the visuals of it, it is just outstanding. Blows the cure for polio right out of the water. Completely, doesn't it? <laughs> completely. I'm it is. Of- I'm serious. It is the. I, I showed it to my kids last night because because we were well. I will talk about this in a moment. I needed a palate cleanser after watching this. It's <laughs> much, it gets snuffed for. <laughs> so, um, my my daughters and I. So so uh, uh, I said, oh, let's watch. Um, they said, oh, well, let's watch Planet of the Apes. You know, the original, the Charlton Heston movie. And I said, yeah, we could do that. And I said, oh, well, let's watch uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Um, because that's always been kind of one of my favorites. One of the ones that I watched as a kid that had a real impact on me. And I don't know if you remember this one. The second one. It's the second one. Heston shows up for briefly. Heston's in it. Yeah. Yeah, Not all that much. He's in it a bit, but he's, yeah, not, not, he's not the lead. And they, they're in New, they're in New York and the Beatles are there. Where where did Heston get the blazer? The blazer. I think he wears a a blazer. Yeah. Yeah. He wears a blazer in that one. He shows up with a blazer, wearing a blazer. Because that's the one James Franciscus is looking for him, right? Yes, James Franciscus is looking for him. They all die in the end. As a matter of fact, the world blows up, right? There's this doomsday nuclear weapon, and it goes off at the end. And um, so, yeah, so we, but they hadn't watched it. They had watched the first Planet of the Apes. Sure. They hadn't watched the second. And so I, I, we watched the second. And, you know, there's, there's you know, can, you know, there's obvious kind of, campiness that goes along with that unintentional but one of the great things about that movie is that everybody dies <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah it that's is... the one with the mutants that worship the bomb yeah they okay. worship the bomb and and the apes are you know on this mission of you know extinction of another you know they're going to wipe out another species and you know, it's just all this. And as a kid, I mean, I watched that when I was you know, seven, eight years old. And, and I told my daughters, this explains me. I watched shit like this. You guys got to watch, you know, Breaking Bad and 
whatnot. I got Logan's run and, you know, um, yeah, uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, but uh, they loved it. They loved the ending. Cause they, and, and they had no idea at all. I mean, because we were, you know, chatting through the whole thing. And they were like, oh, those, they better get out of there soon kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, they don't, they don't see what's coming. <laughs> and they all died. My girls were like, that's amazing. That's great. I love it. And that was, and it was, it was, a, it was, you know, you, you, these guys who made the Planet of, of the Apes movies, you can criticize those movies all you want. They had really big ideas and they weren't afraid to try to go and make it work. And no, I, I, I appreciate think, that. I, I really think on do. TV at the time, I mean, there was the Planet of the Apes television series okay. in 74. That was very much like this. It ended up yeah. being an episodic. We traveled the countryside yeah. doing doing good for people. Right. And Battlestar Galactica, I think, yeah. last the season, uh, maybe, maybe. I think it was maybe, more than that. I think it was like two or three. Uh, uh, but, you know, in the end, didn't do well. All these no. things. But this this one, this had potential. But if you read forward of what the episodes were about, which I did, I mean, they, they would stumble across an alien but, uh, somebody who a uh, time traveler oh, right. um more robots i think you no, know more no. so, and more it seems robots. like there's like 19 different societies within a day's walk of the city of domes all over the place yeah there's no sense of where they are what there's, there's things they could uh, all i'm saying is the things they could have done within the confines within the limitations they had yeah to make this better, boy, Absolutely. I it's agree. rough, man. This is a rough go. Yeah, uh, no, I under- there's very little that 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 it, th- there are very few redeeming qualities to it. The I mean, there act- really are very few. The qualities. actors are all solid TV level actors. That's really right. not the problem. That's fine. Yep. Um, but it's the dialogue, the pace, and yep. the basic and, stories. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's really, and I feel like again, it wasn't so much a pilot as the first two episodes smashed together. Yeah, because that's what it feels like. Even when they leave in the car, they leave the pacifists. It looks like the closing of an episode as it they does. drive off. Yeah, dust, dust kicking up on the road. Right. But next thing you know, they're like showing up at the robot resort. Yeah. So, not only is it, um, uh, not only is it low quality, it was aired Friday nights in the fall of 1977. It was up against the Rockford Files. I'm watching the Rockford Files. Great show. Um, and the ABC Friday movie, which, you know, obviously would, would change from time to time. Um, yeah, so not, uh, you know, the Rockford Files was popular back then. And you had um, Chico and the Man, which was popular. Leading into the Rockford Files, leading into Quincy MD. Oh, yeah. But on CBS, you had Logan's Run leading into a show called Switch. Yeah. Okay. Mm. You remember Switch? No. Um, hey, I got some other ones, by the way. You know, so this, this premiered um, right in um, fall of 77. And I think this week there were some other television shows premiering. That makes sense. Um, one was called Lucan. <laughs> about a boy who was raised by wolves for his first 10 years and then gets rescued in some way and um, <clears throat> goes out into society. Interestingly enough, it did, well, didn't last, I think, all that long. Stalker Channing and Ned Beatty were both in it. 
Um, love also, also this week, um, this is our second mention of this show. Um, San Pedro Beach Bums <laughs> premiered that week. I think, and I think we may be the only podcast to mention that show twice. I think, or we, once, <laughs> or once. Uh, young Daniel Boone premiered yes. that week. Um, a lawyer show called Rosetti and Ryan, which starred Tony Roberts, um, uh, also aired that week. And I think that night, although it may have been just that week, the last of the Frost Nixon interviews was aired. Oh, that's interesting. So he and, was already on his um, redemption tour. Yeah, he was on it. Well, his attempted redemption tour. But also that same night, you got the Frost Nixon stuff going on. Also, the the miniseries Washington Behind Closed Doors, which was based loosely on um, John Ehrlichman's book called The Company, both of which were essentially about Watergate, was also on. And, and that was uh, and I didn't it's not something I ever known about. It was uh, Jason Robards played the president. Uh, I'm not familiar with any of that. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting stuff. 1977 when we've talked about 1977 of course before with the movies right that were out we've talked about that but i did find one that we overlooked the last time we talked about movies in 1977 this according to imbd was the lowest grossing film of 1977 it apparently made twenty thousand dollars um and uh i decided i need to look into it it's called goliathan or Mighty Peking Man, or Colossus of Congo, which is a misleading title, by the way, which is essentially just, it's just King Kong, except that the, you know, the leading lady is someone who has been raised in the jungle. So she's kind of like a Tarzan kind of lady. And instead of adventurers from New York going and finding the monster to, to put it on display, it's adventurers from Hong Kong who go to find the monster and Put it on display. Interestingly enough, it was remarketed by Quentin Tarantino and <laughs> his Rolling Thunder Pictures. Yeah, Roger Ebert gave it a thumbs up. Um, he thought it was his best. It was the best Hong Kong kind of monster movie that he'd uh, that he'd seen. And I, I haven't watched it. I've, I've watched some trailers, and it is what you would expect: low budget, you know, monster movie. Um, but one of the things that I, I was was very amusing to me, and given some of your comments today about Logan's Run, I thought you would appreciate this. So, on IMBD, there's a there's, sometimes you get the little squib on goofs, you know, kind of things, yes. mistakes in the movie. So, sure, and problems with the movie. So, now remember, this is a 1977 Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong made King Kong ripoff for very low budget with a scantily clad woman in it. Um, um, you know, made for very little money. So you can imagine what this movie might look like. So here's the goof that somebody has identified. When the helicopters are shooting the Peking men to pieces, the impact of the rounds on his body, considering how big he is, should be tiny. But they are huge, as if the weapons being used are his size. So... You have a kindred soul out there looking for these errors 
in writing or filmmaking that I would argue are fairly irrelevant to the overall quality of the film. So you should go find that person and have a nice long conversation. Unfortunately, you cut out a little bit there due to um, a problem on our end. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Peaky Man, you said that the, the, um, you were talking about the, the impact from the, when the rounds are huge. Oh, yes. Know, they should be. Yes, but they, yes. And so my, my comment is that you have a kindred spirit out there in terms of looking for the minutia of inconsistency in terrible movies. Well, glad to hear it. Listen, I got the San Pedro Beach Bums here. Um, first telecast, September 19th, 1977. Last telecast, December 19th, 1977. I don't recognize any of the people in this show except Stuart Pankin. Uh, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't recognize them if I saw them because mm-hmm. for Christopher Murney, John Mark Robinson, Daryl McCullough, Chris DeRose. Knock about comedy about five carefree young beach bums in sunny California living on a houseboat called, houseboat called Our Boat. The yes. five boys who have been buddies since their high school days. With the ever-confident buddy, self-proclaimed leader of the group, the shy and nervous dancer, so named because he couldn't sit still, Stuff, a compulsive eater who believed that heavy is beautiful, the muscular but very gentle Moose, and Boy Chick, the beach bum's answer to Clark Gable. I wonder if that's, um, you know, uh, inspired by Animal House. Possibly by, ah, by yeah, the summer of seventy seven. Yeah. Um, so what were the what were the shows that did well in the fall of seventy seven? The Love number the number one show. Um these first two get a thirty thirty-one point four rating. And um they're not far and above the but there's a few points in between the rest uh, these two. Laverne and Shirley came in at 31.6 and Happy mm. Days 31.4. Oh, wow. 50s nostalgia, huh? And ABC, ABC. Number three was Three's Company, ABC. Then we had 60 Minutes, Charlie's Angels, All in the Family, Little House on the Prairie, Alice, Mash, One Day at a Time, How the One, Eight is Enough Soap, The Love Boat, um, you know, the NBC Monday Night Movie, um, these are the top 30. You know, you got uh, the Waltons thrown in there. Welcome back, Cotter, Y50, things like that. So even if it had been um, more competent, um, I don't know if it would have survived. No. I mean, it's, it's, it's not breaking into that, that group. And Friday night doesn't help that much either. But I, I suspect I would like San Pedro Beach Bums better as well. I'm tempted to see if they have any episodes on YouTube to see just how bad that is. Yeah. Um, I suspect it's either horrific or mediocre, and that's why it didn't didn't survive. William Nolan wrote Logan's Run. He died in 2021. He's also wrote part of Trilogy of Terror, Burnt Mm. Offerings. Oh, wow. And he wrote a treatment which was never produced for Who Goes There, which would oh, ultimately really? become the thing. Yeah. 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 So he was a big time TV guy, worked with Dan Curtis a lot, wrote some novels. Um, this show, even though it lasted um, for only 14 episodes on, on air, uh, the people who were on the episodes, um, Marriott Hartley showed up. I don't know if she was a thing by then huh. or not. Mel Farrar, 
Gerald McCraney showed up, Barbara Babcock, Kim Cattrall, a very young Kim Cattrall, huh. a very young Michael Bean. Oh, wow. And, of course, our good friend E.J. Andre, the old man yeah. who, uh, from the Ten Commandments. So these people are, you know, these shows would, would um, you know, the, the kind of the episodic guests, they all kind of make the rounds. You see, like, a ton of these people yeah. on Mesh, on something like this. Um, you know, all the way through into the early 80s and all the shows, these, um, oh, Barbara Babcock, I mean, pe- people probably wouldn't remember her from Hill Street Blues. Um, right. I think she was the, what was she, the sergeant's girlfriend or something like that? And I'm not sure, but very familiar face. So they were dipping into this pool of actors, all these shows, and when you look at their eye. <laughs> you look at their filmographies it's like one episode you know, fantasy island one episode love boat one episode two if you were lucky yeah uh mash one episode uh cheers one episode um mash another episode at magnum pi barney yeah. miller all this yeah. stuff it's and they all kind of did the they, they did the kinda, rounds yeah, yeah. They, they made the yeah. rounds it was good stuff so um very quick family values i'm, I'm just going to tell you this stuff because it's really easy we got the four leads. We had, um, well, can you guess four leads? How many spouses? How many divorces? Um, I don't. Eight and four. Six and two. Oh, okay. Uh, it aired um, September sixteenth, which is also the birthdays for Peter Falk, Amy Poehler, Lauren Bacall, and BB King. And uh, three years earlier. It was a three-year anniversary of the um, Bay Area Rapid Transit System opening in um, in the San Francisco Bay Area. It was also the <laughs> Is that what you came up with? Thirty-seventh <laughs> anniversary of the first U.S. peacetime draft, and I think only U.S. peacetime draft, nineteen forty, and when uh, Rayburn was elected Speaker of the House. So what you're telling me is nothing much of interest happened on that date in the past. The Bay um, Area Rapid Transit. <laughs> In 1498, Thomas de Torquemada died. He was okay. one of the Spanish inquisitors and sure. is reputed to have murdered 10,000 non, non-Catholics. A major loss. Or not non-Catholics, heretics, yeah. It was a major loss. Yeah. So that's what I got. A great humanitarian. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even delve into that. I thought uh, this was painful enough. And, of course, the Yankees would go on to win the World Series that year. Yes, so good year. That's yeah. um, Dodgers, and we had... Reggie Jackson's three home runs in one game at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Um, some good baseball stuff that year. Uh, yeah. Um, just a, a bad show that with a few tweaks, it wouldn't take a few tweaks would have made this a lot better. Not good. Not just, yeah. but you know, a little work here and there um, probably could have turned in. This could be one of this could have been one of those shows that are rediscovered twenty five years later, and people say like, oh, you know, they're really talking about some really interesting issues, yeah, um, and new and interesting, much like the you know, much like um, the original Star Trek type of thing. Yeah. Instead, it was just seemed like just didn't seem like uh, didn't look to see how the movie did. There's differences. In the movie, it's a computer that runs the city. In the movie, you had the carousel when you're 21. I think for 
TV, they were never going to find anyone believable to play the parts of people yeah. under 21. All yeah. these main, all the three, uh, Francis, Logan, and Jessica were all actually under 30 when they when the show premiered. Uh, yeah. But 21 is just not going to happen. They didn't use the crystal in the palm. Nope. That would flash to show your, your yep. age in, on the show. And I do remember there was some the movie delved into the more pleasure. Yes. Uh, and I believe there was like some kind of phone, a date. Oh yeah. Phone, a partner and a male appears at York's. Yes. It doesn't yes. say something like, ah, not tonight. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the movie went there with some, some weird, not weird, but some interesting kind of concepts for 76. Um, the show just, and there was nothing really fun about this either. No. It's not it's not self-aware of its camp in the way that Buck Rogers in the 21st century was. Yeah. So even that I, I, I it, would say that the, the the one exception to that is Moffat, who seemed to me who played Ram, who was just in the last few minutes of it, but he seemed to be in his part. He seemed to be saying, oh, this is a satire. <laughs> he was in a different I, show. And I think he was I, in a better show, I think. <laughs> you know, we often want to talk about um, we often want to talk about fan fiction, but this actually seems like fan fiction yeah. from the book and the movie. Yeah. You know, unless you wanted to do like Francis Francis Eight's or Seven's backstory. Yes, uh, for fan fiction or something, and how he becomes disillusioned and leads the ultimately leads the underground. But um, yeah, just uh, it even robbed us of some campy fun by playing it yeah. so straight. So yeah. uh, they could have spent, you know, a show or two in the ruins of DC. Yeah, uh, with the Washington Monument, maybe tipped over in the Capitol yeah. in the yeah. that Bad could service a... at restaurants and um, you know, <laughs> hard to get a cab excessive heat in August and all those things One, two or three episodes of them exploring the old city you know yeah. and then of course coming across the, the Lincoln Monument right and yeah. it's an ape no, um... yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it just you know whatever I'm sorry I it doesn't. No apologies necessary. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm with you. So you're reading much and anything that we didn't talk about <clears throat> last time? Uh, yeah. So I don't think I talked about Snow Crash, um, Neil Stevenson novel that I wrote. This is a, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of a cyberpunk science fiction um, book. And I really <clears throat> liked the kind of world building he does. Um, so this was written, I think, in the 80s. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he his world um, is one that has kind of governments falling apart a bit. And so the, the kind of things that have taken over governments are different sorts of kind of companies that do certain things. And one of the most powerful ones is a pizza delivery service company run by the mob. <laughs> was a great idea. That was terrific. Um, and it, it, it's kind of the central kind of thing that 
drives the story along is not in my mind particularly compelling it has some interesting parts it's kind of religious and 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 science kind of stuff which is okay but it has a really nice metaverse you know component to it you know kind of where you plug into the to the metaverse um as well as this existing universe and kind of what the world has turned into which is which is very, very campy in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, and, you know, known, I mean, the hero, right? You're, you're, the hero's name in this book is hero, spelled H-I-R-O, hero protagonist. <laughs> so uh, so kinda... you kind of know where you stand. But it's, it's, a, it's really well written. I really like the guy's writing. It, it, it's, it's really very good. And um, it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a whole lot of fun so i finished that recently he's written another book that i've kind of seen people talk about as being very good called anathema or anathem i think i can't remember exactly that i i want to try to go and pick up and then um uh, i'm also reading a book right now which is not science fiction but it it's this really interesting book about um evidently something that actually has kind of happened in Japan, which is you can evidently there was, I don't know if it still exists, but there was a business where you could hire people to go and seduce your spouse so that you could have an easier divorce proceeding. (laughs) Um, It sounds like some futuristic HBO show. It does. And it, the evidently there was a murder associated with, you know, some of this business and this woman who's, I think she's from Hong Kong wrote a novel, which is a fictionalized account of how this sort of business could result in the murder of somebody. So I'm I'm reading that and I'm almost done with it. And it's, it's, it's pretty good. I don't know if I would recommend it ultimately, but it's a really interesting kind of notion that's, that's, that's kind of explored in it. I really, you know, I really like the idea of the, um, I'm not saying that you're the first book you were talking about was about this, but I suppose if you were a crime family, which controlled pizza. Yeah. Um, how powerful that would be. Yeah. Can you imagine being the, the, the one in, you know, the new England region or the Northeast who controlled pizza and pizza delivery. Um, yeah. That would place you that 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 would you'd really wield a lot of power that way. I mean, pizza yeah. is like one of one of I'm not saying I, I believe in God, but it certainly is evidence that there is a God. Yeah, yeah, um, very much so. Yeah. So that's that's kind of interesting. I'm watching season two of Fargo. Oh, yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watched the first season a long time ago. The first season. Um, loosely followed the movie in a lot of ways, but was different enough to make it watchable. Yes. Had great performances in it. I think it was contemporary to the time. Um, The second season goes back to 1979 Mm -hmm. and it's got some overlapping characters and things of that sort. Really good stuff. And, I liked the second season. I think. oh, you watched it? Yeah, I yeah. did. I really liked the second. I think I really liked the second. Who's who's in it? Who's the? It's uh, oh, is uh, it? Isn't it something like uh, who's the the older um, police chief guy? Ted, is Ted? Danson. Yes, Ted Danson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, is the police chief the guy from the Conjuring movies? And I always forget his name. Plays um, 
a state, a Minnesota state trooper right. who's Ted Danson's son-in-law, right. who is the father of the protagonist in the first season. Right. Um, but they have that, like the hillbilly mob, the, the German American yes. mob, yes. but they got the Kansas city mob and um, a relatively young Roman Roy is in the first episode. He's, he's killed off in the first episode. It's um, oh, what's his oh name? I don't remember that. Yeah, he's the third brother. Culkin. Of, yeah. Yeah, Kieran Culkin. Kieran he's Culkin. The, right? He's the third brother of this um, this um, uh, uh, hillbilly. Not this 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 rural. Yeah. Transportation mob, independent mob family. Right. And I think their big thing is they basically control traffic through the state so if you're trying to haul anything you got to go through them kickbacks etc 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 but the kansas mob wants to take over and then these um jesse plemons and kirsten dunce kind of get in the middle of things and it's just a good good acting some surprises i love a period piece and they got 79 down well because the, the minnesota state troopers actually put on the Reagan campaign's detail. Yes, it's like, that's it's, right. It's like yes. during the primaries, yes. he has to escort the bus, you know, across state lines and and things like that. So it's good. Highly recommended. I've heard mixed reviews of the third season and I can't, and the person I know can't remember if they like the fourth season or not. The fifth season's coming out soon. But it's, I think um, I didn't get through the, the, there's one with Chris Rock. I the think Kansas City mob one, and I couldn't get through it. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus is that sometimes these things just don't work. You know, yeah. you, 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 you you get catch lightning in a bottle. Um, everything's firing on all cylinders the next season. Even though it's mostly different actors, different time period. You know, they just sometimes... Uh, True Detective was like that. I thought the second season... I didn't finish the second season. And I think I got 80% of the way through and just didn't care. Yeah, I um, did. I watched it all the way through. I know I know, it was controversial. It, it was certainly nowhere near as good as the first season, which still to me stands out as just absolutely wonderful. And um, I think the third season of True Detective kind of got some of it back, but I don't yes. think it was as good as people... Kind of, we're saying personally. I, I, I thought it was I'd have good. To watch it. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. Yeah, I'd have to go. I gotta. I still have the third season to watch. It's, it's kind of. I just put it aside. Like it's, you know, something on a. Yeah. To, to binge watch on a, you know, snowy weekend or something when right. there's nothing else to do. But yeah, I think Fargo's great. It has a bit of the. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I liked about. Fargo, the Coen Brothers. There is a movie with Patrick Patrick uh, Matthew McConaughey called Killer. G- and uh, there's other movies like this, and they were a little more prominent in the '90s. But it's little people with little at stake, and things go horribly wrong. Now, these are not people who are making uh, life and death decisions, say like the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? And in like Killer Joe, even though it's been years since I've seen it, they're basically guys. I think guys like hiring a killer to kill his wife for like fifty 
the $50,000 life insurance benefit. Now, his friend's in on it, too, and the killer wants half. So already he's down to $25,000. Yeah. Then his buddy is going to get half, so now he's down to twelve and a half. So it's like these little people, little sticks, and then, of course, everything goes horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. Right. And the Coen brothers are good at that in yes. a lot of ways. And yes. in some sense, Fargo captures that um, and uh, shows like that. So I, I always like that to a certain extent when it's just like nobody's doing nothing for very little stakes and then people end up dead and everything yeah. goes haywire. And it's like, you did that for Twelve and a half thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so those those always kind of kind of um, it's the opposite, right? It's succession and things like Game of Thrones and things like that. It's with big yeah. people whose decisions have long, um, like long arm and long lasting impacts. I, I enjoy that as well. These yeah. are important people because what they decide impacts thousands, millions of people every day. Or you get these little people in these little places doing these little things, and their lives are turned upside down. Um, yeah, I, I like I like both both of those scenarios, and there's seem to get more of the um, little people type of Fargo thing because that Fargo is like that, right? With William H Macy, he just wants his yeah. he wants his wife kidnapped and his his dad to pay the ran- his father in law to pay the ransom, and yeah. he's just, it's not even that much, right? No, it's it's a, it's actually a lot. It's he wants a million dollars. I think. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I guess for the father-in-law, it would be a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, what's he get? You know, <laughs> he's going through all this, and then people end up being put in wood chippers. Yes, when this all gets going, it is great. <laughs> it's good stuff. So yeah, I'm uh, almost finished with that, and I'm still plowing through the Butch Cassidy book and the Five Families book. Oh yeah, and for a separate project, I'm reading the memoirs of Aaron Burr, which aren't really the memoirs of Aaron Burr; they are um, his biographers. Um, version recounting of letters and things like that. So yeah, um, that's about yeah, it. That's good stuff. All right, all right. I think next time are we going to try hitting the novel version yes. of the Thin Man? Yes, by Dashiell Hammett. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's we'll um, so. If anyone's interested in reading that before, it'll be a while before um, we air air the podcast on that, but um fairly short fairly short novel i think it's like 188 pages on my yeah. on my e-reader um so not a big investment in time and it's an interesting um one-off by you know one of the fathers of the hard-boiled detective it yep. is um over easier or, or um nice shift from the hard-boiled i think yes yes so all right it was um, good talking to you, and we will uh, talk soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take it easy. Take it easy.